Good morning, Novation family. So good to, to be able to come to you today and uh, open up God's Word and share what He has to say. Uh, Pastor Scott asked me to, to put a message together, and it always does my heart good. I, I love being able to speak uh, about the things of God, and I love to be able to pour those into your life. So um, before we start, let's just pray. So Father God, um, we thank you for who you are. And, and I don't know, Father, why you chose to relay your messages through humans. I, I really don't understand that. But you did. So I pray that you would allow your words to come forth correctly and your truth to come forth uh, precisely as we speak today in Jesus' name. Amen. So today, um, what God put on my heart is, is something that I think is very pertinent for where we find ourselves at today. Um, the message is, how do we overcome evil with good? You know, we find ourselves right now in this time, there's a lot of stress. There's been a lot of concern. There's been a lot of confusion and sometimes anger. I mean, we're in the middle, uh, hopefully towards the end of the middle of this pandemic, um, which brought about economic uncertainty. We've had, we've had protests, we've had riots, we've had racial tensions. And, and I think a lot of those riots and, and, and so forth have just been accentuated because we've been sheltering at home. We've been hunkered down. And things, you know, it's kind of like that, that last straw on the camel's back and it, it just, it blows. But that's where we find ourselves now and probably for the, you know, for the foreseeable future, these things are going to continue to affect us. And so there's an unrest a lot of times over the actions of, of those who have authority over us, those that have power over us, those politicians, governmental uh, figures. And at times like this, I don't know about you, but, but me, I just say, I, I want to quit. I give up. I surrender. You know, take me out of the game, right? I don't want to play anymore, um, but I can't quit, and you can't quit. And there's a multitude of reasons why, but I think the most important reason why is that God has called us to represent his kingdom here on earth. So how do we do that? What steps can we take to um, make sure that we're promoting his kingdom, not our agenda, right? So Paul in the book of Romans, addresses a great deal of solid doctrine. The first few chapters, it's just layer upon layer upon layer. He's building this foundation of doctrine. And, and then he starts talking a little more about practical application. How then should we live? And remember, as we, we go through this, I want you to remember when Paul lived. He lived during a time where they were under Roman occupation, um, and, and you all know and understand some of the brutal things that happened. And yet in the midst of that, Paul says in Romans 12, 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So all of us would admit there's a lot of evil in the world. So how do we keep from being overcome by it, right? And how do we reverse that and overcome the evil with good? And I really think that Paul gives us three um, very good strategy points, strategic points, let me say. And that's what we want to examine today. And the first one, and, and we're going to be looking, just so you'll know, in Romans chapter 13, we're just going to kind of unpack that, that chapter. The first point is that we need to subject ourselves to authority. 
Subject yourselves to authority. That should be in your notes there to write down. Romans 13, 1 through 7 says, Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God. And those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good. You will have praise from the same. For he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is God's minister to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore, you must be subject not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. And because of this, you also pay taxes. For their God's minister is attending continually to this very thing. So render them what they're due. Taxes to whom taxes. Customs to whom customs. Fear to whom fear. Honor to whom honor. So that's powerful stuff. And if you really read that and stop and think what that meant to him in his day and what it means to me and you now in this day, this is is some powerful words. Now, before I begin kind of unpacking these verses, I want to clarify what I am saying (laughs) and what I am not saying about these verses. What I am saying is that Christians need to stay subject to That means in right relationship with. Have a respectful attitude towards the authorities in their lives. That's something that we need to do as believers. Because what happens when we develop this this secret poisonous resentment towards authority, you know, whether that authority is in the home, whether it's in in the workplace, whether it's in, in the governments, if we start poisoning ourselves with that, Even, hear me right, even if that authority is unjust and unfair, if we begin to do that, what we're doing is we're trying to overcome evil with evil. And that is not the kingdom of God. What I am not saying, listen well, is that Christians must obey the authorities in their lives without exception. I am not saying that. The directive that Paul gave us says to be subject to the governing authorities. That's in verse 1. We're told here to be subject, but not necessarily to obey. There's a difference between coming under authority and handling that authority with respect and honor and, and in the right way versus just obeying blindly. John Stott's an author, and I like the way he puts it, It says, we are to submit right up to the point where obedience to the state would entail disobedience to God. And then he continues that whenever laws are enacted which contradict God's law, civil disobedience becomes a Christian duty. So again, Acts 5.29 says we ought to obey God rather than men. So if the laws go against and contradict the laws of God, then that civil disobedience is something that we should be about in the right way, in the right attitude, you know, doing things correctly. So we know that there is no authority except from God. And we know that the authorities that exist are appointed by God. And we also know that authority is good because it comes from God and God is good. God loves us. God wants the best for his people. 
So we do see in verse 2, though, that whoever resists this authority wrongly is resisting something God has established. He's established that authority. And if they resist it wrongly, there will be consequences that they will reap. And again, to be subject to means to stay in right relationship to. It doesn't necessarily mean that you agree with what's going on. It doesn't necessarily mean that you obey everything that they're saying. But you are in authority to them. And also what I'm saying is, even though God grants authority to people, this does not mean all authority is good. Absolutely not. John Stott, again, I think does a good job qualifying this, this statement of Paul's on authority, it's, it's lengthy, but I'm going to read it because I believe it's important. It says we need to be cautious, however, in our interpretation of Paul's statements. He cannot be taken to mean that all the Herods, the Neros, the Domitians of the New Testament times, and all the Hitlers, Stalins, and Saddams of our times were personally appointed by God. That God is responsible for their behavior or that their authority is in no circumstances to be resisted. Paul means rather that all human authority is derived from God's authority so that we can say to rulers what Jesus said to Pilate. And what did he say? He said, you would have no power. You would have no authority over me if it was not given to you from above. When we... When we resist authority wrongly, we will reap consequences in our lives. And, and, you know, as I was putting this together, God brought to me something that he brought to me uh, years ago. Um, somebody in our church, and there's another church many years ago, but, but they were kind of undermining the pastoral leadership. They were, there were some issues going on, and they weren't subjecting themselves and doing it correctly. It was not done well. And as I was praying for them one time, God just showed me this, this formation of geese. Now, we see that all the time here in Colorado. Didn't see that so much back in Kansas. But this formation of geese, you know, so you have the lead goose, right? And he's, he's going and everybody's subject in his authority right behind him, except for this one stupid goose who goes outside of that. And, 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 he, and that's Scott. That's me most of the times, right? So Scott's flying outside of formation. So what happens to Scott? He's hitting wind resistance and turbulence that he wouldn't be hitting if he bring him back self bring himself back into uh, the authority and subject himself to that formation. And, and in the same way, people who cannot subject themselves to authority open themselves up to all kinds of trouble. And we see countless examples day after day, week after week in our society. And, and the ultimate consequence, many times, many times they end up in prison. Sometimes they even end up dead. But Paul wants to remind us that if we're good citizens and do good, we have praise from the authorities. And in, in verses 4 through 6, the civil authorities are called God's ministers. That's pretty major, family. That's pretty major. Charles Cranfield, another author that I like, makes an interesting comment on this. He writes, For Paul to say that the civil authorities are ministers and servants of God is necessarily to imply that they are some way linked with God's holy and merciful purpose in Christ. Well, amen, God's sovereign. Everything is linked to that. So the role of the state and the governing authorities are to promote, reward good, restrain, and punish evil. And then Paul com kind of completes this section 
with, uh, um, of commenting on authority, he reminds us to be those good citizens, to render reverence, to render honor, to, rever- to, to um, render taxes. Whoever is in authority should have um, what that authority is in- entailed to get, whether that's taxes, respect, or honor. And he says to do these, not just because there'll be consequences if we don't, but he says also for conscious sake. It's the right thing to do. It is the way the kingdom of God needs to be promoted here on the earth. So we overcome evil with good. Here's some ways you can write them down. Keep a good attitude towards authorities. Keep your attitude pure towards authorities. Pray for them. Respect them. Honor the positions. And, and the last one, I, I, can't, I can't stress this enough. Be very careful how we speak or write, and in this day and age, how we, how we post about them. What are we saying about them on our social platforms? Be careful. I've, I've read, and I'm not saying it to anybody here in the church, but I've read some vile things in the media and on my social platforms that ought not to be spoken of, um, that damage people, and, and we're not supposed to be doing that. We don't want to overcome evil with evil. We want to come overcome evil with love, with good. So we don't, don't have to agree, don't necessarily even have to obey, but we do need to stay subject to them. And if we don't, then we're guilty of, of basically trying to overcome evil with evil. The second point is that we keep paying the debt of love. Romans 13, 8 through 10 says, Owe no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. If there is any other commandment, are all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. So the second point is, a method of overcoming evil with good is to keep paying that debt of love. Paul tells us in verse 8 to stay out of debt. Owe no one anything. I agree with that. I think that's a good biblical financial foundation. That's not exactly what this verse talks about, though. His primary message here is that one debt that is never fully paid, and that is the debt of love. And this debt is renewed every day because every new day presents you and me with new opportunities to love, new situations to overcome evil with love. And that is the most effective way, family, that's the most effective way to overcome evil is with the love of God. It is the most powerful way to do it. Karl Barth um, said it like this, love is the good work by which the evil is overcome. Love is that good work by which evil is overcome. Now, Karl Barth, if you don't know who he was, he was a man who understood living under evil authority, as well as Paul with the Roman occupation. Karl Barth was the chief writer of what's called the Barman Declaration. And that was a statement by the church against the Nazi regime and Adolf Hitler at that time. So he was living in those situations. And I've got some quotes from him that I just really like, so I'm going to share them. Love is the breath we breathe when in the realm of evil we have no breath left. 
You know, when I think back on, on that time, one of the, the biggest Christian heroes that I think of is, is Corrie ten Boom and, and how she, she prayed for her captors. She loved her captors even as they were abusing her and, and her nationality. I, I don't know how. I really don't. I'll be honest. I really, it, one of her stories is um, God will give you the ticket when you need it. And, and that's what I always keep coming back to. When I, when I find myself in a situation where I don't think I have what it takes, God will equip me for that. So, amen. Um, another quote is, love is that denial and demolition of the existing order which no revolt can bring about. So do you want to take a revolutionary stand against evil? Okay, walk in love. And you'll see that the de- denial and demolition of that, that evil. And then the last one is my favorite. It says, love does not enter into competition and therefore it cannot be defeated. No competition, no defeat. However, the best statement about the power of divine love is found in 1 Corinthians 13, 7 through 8. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, and love never fails. If you get nothing else out of today, love never fails. It is always the right action, no matter what is happening in your life. Verse 8 says, love is so powerful, it says that he who loves another has fulfilled the law. Paul says that the commandments are all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then, of course, the question comes up, well, who's my neighbor? Tell me who my neighbor is so I know who to love. And, uh, you know, usually people will point to the Good Samaritan parable uh, in Luke 10, and that's absolutely right. I agree with it 100%. Um, Again, Charles Cranfield, I think, really brings some wisdom to this. He said that the neighbor in the New Testament sense is not someone arbitrarily chosen by us. He is given to us by God. So that neighbor is given to us by God to love. Um, can I give him back? <laughs> you know, God, can I just give this one back? I don't want that one. You, you keep that one or give them to somebody else, okay? Right, right? Don't tell me I'm the only one that thinks that sometimes. So, you know, our neighbor might be an actual neighbor who's hard to get along with. He might be a demanding boss. He might be those politicians that we all love to hate. But we're to love the neighbors that God puts in our path. And Jesus, even more radically than this, in Matthew 5.44, Jesus said one of the most powerful tools for overcoming evil with good and love is Jesus' command to love your enemies. What? I mean, what's he saying? Love my enemies? Love, Love those that I hate? Or at least dislike. We're not supposed to hate anybody. Sorry. Right? And then there's some of you out there saying, well, I I don't have any enemies. There's nobody that I don't like. I don't know about you, but as I was putting this together, what came to my mind were some, I'll be honest, pedophiles, child molesters, serial killers. Those were ones that came to my mind. Who's your enemy? Think for a moment. I want you to take a moment and think. Who is somebody that, that makes your skin crawl? makes your blood boil, 
Who's that person who represents ideas that are on the total other end of the spectrum of everything you hold to be good, true, noble, and just? Who is that? You got him yet? You see the picture? You got a name? When was the last time you prayed for them? Not prayed for the, that they would get their just rewards. Not prayed against them, but prayed for them. Prayed that the God who loves them so much would turn their life around. Radical. Jesus' teaching, the kingdom of God, is radically different than what I would think I should be doing. And that's what we're supposed to be promoting while we're walking this earth, is the kingdom of God. So, the third and last strategy from Paul is, stay awake. Stay awake. Romans 13, 11 through 14 says, And do this, knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provisions for the flesh to fulfill its lust. And I know we always think of lust in those things in certain terms, but I want you to include evil. Hey, don't allow the flesh to fulfill that, that evil and hate that, that it wants to generate inside of you. So the third way we can overcome evil with good is to stay awake. Put on Christ and remember that the Lord is coming. He is coming. He is. He is coming. All right? Don't ever forget that. Remember that. And in the parable of the ten virgins, Jesus warns us how easy it is to fall asleep spiritually, become apathetic, to stagnate, to just go through the motions. Matthew 25, 5 says, And while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And I find this interesting that that both the virgins with the extra oil, so they had what they needed, the extra oil, and the ones without it, so they didn't bring what they needed, but both of them kept nodding off. Both of them kept falling asleep. And I really believe Jesus is, is teaching here that in the last days, it will be very easy for the church to fall asleep, to grow weary of doing good. And we are living in the last days. If you didn't know that, my opinion, yes, we are. I believe the last days started when Jesus came. If you go back to Hebrews 1-2, when Jesus came, I believe that put us in the last days and we're still in those last days. And we need to not grow weary of doing good. We need to not be apathetic. We need to not stagnate. We need to continue to grow, continue to press in and to abide in Him so that His fruit can be produced in us. That's our job as ambassadors for the kingdom of heaven. And, and Paul's really, he's reaching out right here to give the church of Rome and us uh, today a, a slap. A slap to our face and say, now is high time to awake out of sleep. Verse 11, wake up. Don't fall asleep. Don't just go through the motions. Be the church. 
be who I've called you to be. Matthew 26, 41 says, watch and pray. It's a good way to stay awake spiritually. Watch. What do you see? Pray about that. Watch. What do you see? Pray about that. Watch. What do you see? I think I'll make a post on Facebook. No. Pray about that. Okay? That is the most powerful tool that we have as believers is prayer. John Stott, again, I think, gives an excellent illustration from Paul's words. The picture is that because of the hour, we must not only wake up and get up, but we must get dressed as well. We must take off our night clothes, those deeds of darkness, the old man, put on instead as suitable daytime equipment for the soldiers of Christ, the armor of light. For the Christian's life is not a sleep, but a battle. We're not to just float through the world, but we're to engage this world and promote the kingdom of heaven. That's what we're to do. And then you have the rich instructions in Ephesians 6, 13 that teach us about the armor of light. What does that look like in much more detail? It helps us to see what it means to put on the Lord Jesus, to live in the truths of the doctrines of Christ. Remember, Paul had been teaching the, the Romans all of these doctrines. He'd been, again, laying that foundation. And now he says, uh, live the truth. Live the truth that Christ is in us and we are in Christ. And remember, always remember that Jesus Christ is coming again. Titus 2.13 says that's our blessed hope. Our blessed hope isn't in this world. Our blessed hope isn't in the authorities. Our blessed hope is in the fact that Jesus Christ is coming again. And, and, and the church and the world and, and we who have this hope, what do we do because of that? We purify our lives, 1 John 3.3. 3. That means we take off the old man. We don't overcome evil with evil. We overcome evil with good. So that, that's really all the unpacking that I'm going to do. I, I did put, and you'll have it in your notes, there's five questions. And I'd like you to, to, to read those. I'd like you to take some time to ponder those questions, um, either with, with your family, or maybe some of you are watching this online together in a home. Maybe take 15, 20 minutes, go over those five questions, talk about them, discuss them, see how that impacts you. Um, or maybe by yourself. But please, ponder those questions. And then I, I want to encourage you to do one other thing. Chapter 13 has showed the importance of being subject to authority, of loving um, our enemies and our neighbors. And chapter 14 is a continuation of this practical application. And chapter 14 is, is showing us how to love one another in the body of Christ. And I think the further down the road we get in these end times, the more we need to rely on that unity of the body. Not this where we're butting heads and, and, and trying to get our own way, but that meshing and unifying of the body of Christ. So I challenge you to read chapter 14 today or tomorrow and prayerfully consider that as you think about this sermon. So it's been good. It's always an honor to be able to, to speak with you. And I just ask now, Father God, that you would take these words 
and that you would breathe life into them, into everyone who, who has heard these words. And that you would direct everybody that has heard this message today in the action that you want them to take. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless. Have a great day. Stay safe.